Welcome to the Confident Close Her podcast, the podcast where we help established online coaches, consultants, and sellers master human behavior sales techniques, break free from the dated, ineffective, and just plain wrong sales strategies, create radical revenue leaps, and break through to multi six and seven figures. I'm your host, Ann Keeney, and my mission is to teach online high performing female coaches and sellers how to win at the game of sales using selling techniques that work with human behavior. Because we know that a business that doesn't make plenty of money is a die in business. So take off those boxing gloves, stop fighting for your sales, because in 30 minutes or less, I'll show you how to pour rocket fuel onto your strategies, pull in way more profit, and close up to 90% of your sales, authentically, humanely, and consistently. Let's get down to business. All right, so, um, hi everybody. I'm actually on CEO week um, this week and wanted to record in advance for you guys I actually want to do like a five day series. Um, so I'm actually going to do release a podcast a day every day this week, um, starting today with this podcast right here. And I wanted to do um, I wanted to do a five part series for you guys talking about the six absolute most important elements of a high end group program. Um, I wanted to really touch on some of the elements that I think are the most important things for you to be thinking about, creating, mastering, fine-tuning, improving, testing, tweaking inside of your high-end programs that are going to make all the difference and be the most important things this year and going forward for the people that you are bringing into these experiences and containers. And so I thought I would do a five-part series. Um, What a great time. I'm on my CEO week this week and I can just deliver a new episode to you guys every single day this week. So if you are a person who is always tuning into the podcast, you can expect an episode a day this week, um, every day this week, which is really awesome. So I'm really excited to do that. Okay. Anyway. Um, all right. So the sixth, uh, the six absolute most important elements of a high end group program, um, is what we're going to be talking about over this five part series today. I want to kick it off and I want to talk about, I'm actually going to cover two parts in this episode, um, because I really feel like they kind of go, they just go so close together. Um, so in this first episode, we're going to cover the, the two, uh, first most important elements. Um, I'm not really doing these in a super specific order, by the way. Um, they're just elements that overall in general, I think anyone who is running any sort of group container or program or experience, you absolutely need to be looking at these things, period. Um, And it's not so much that I think these are important, I do. However, the people that are gonna be investing in high-end experiences are gonna expect these things. They are going to expect it. They're looking for this. This isn't just like, oh, Anne says so. This is like people who are invested in high-end experiences or group containers, they're literally going to expect that you are um, delivering these things we're talking about here in the way that we're talking about them. Um, and they actually will choose your competitors or someone else, and they will actually go pay more money to get these things. That's the thing I really want to emphasize this with. So in this first episode, I want to cover the first two things. And then, um, every day this week, we're going to hit another, uh, important element in each episode every day this week. Okay. So stay tuned tomorrow. 
Um, for today, I want to talk about two things. Number one, I want to talk about your client clarity and qualification. And I want to talk about curriculum development and organization. Um, these kind of go so closely together, which is why I thought we'll just make this first episode about these two things. Um, and, and you'll notice like in every single element of every episode this week in this series, you're just going to see that the, everything just goes so well together. So when we talk about client clarity and qualification, what I think is really important is that you identify yourself in your niche category and you place yourself somewhere on the scale. So when I say something like that, a lot of people look at me like a deer in the headlight, like, wait, what, did, what does that mean? I want you to erase the idea that we do business online. And I want you to think about a brick and mortar business. I want you to think about a business down the street. Because I think that oftentimes we think online is so different. And it's really not. A business is a business is a business, no matter how you slice or dice it, right? We are all running businesses. It literally doesn't matter if you're doing it online or offline. It is still a business. So we operate as such. And when I think about client clarity, I think less about avatar and I think more about who shops at my store, okay? Who are the types of people that shop at my store, okay? So you think about a Whole Foods. Who shops at Whole Foods? Is it, um, is it people that are um, vegan? Is it people that are uh, running, you know, these mills and um, they're running like these mass, um, you know, I don't know, places where there's like mass amounts of like chickens all stuffed into a container and they're, they're in cages and like, who shops at Whole Foods, right? Um, what type of people, when you think about Whole Foods, who shops there? Um, you know, who shops at, who, who spends a lot of time at like the pharmacy? Think about your pharmacy up the street. Who spends a lot of time there? Probably people that are, you know, pro pharmaceuticals. They really value and appreciate, you know, what doctors say. They probably believe a lot of the hype around pharmaceuticals and like medications that have a lot of chemicals in them. Not saying good, bad, right, wrong. And I want to clarify that. I am not saying good, bad, right, or wrong. I'm saying that when you think about a brick and mortar business, they are very clear on who shops at their stores. Walmart knows who shops at their stores. Goodwill knows the type of people that shop at their store. Gucci knows the type of people that shop at their store. Louis Vuitton, Rolls Royce, ben, Mercedes Benz. Uh, we could go on and on and on and on and on and on and on all day. We understand this as the way the world works. We have low income, middle class, upper class. Why do we have these? It's not about good, bad, right, or wrong. It's about placement, okay? It is about certain types of people shop at certain types of places because they value a specific type of experience, period. End of conversation. No matter how we slice and dice it, that is fact, okay? This is why we have these types of things like low income, middle class, upper class. This is why we have a Goodwill, we have a, a Louis Vuitton, we have a Target, we have a Walmart, we have a Whole Foods, and we have your local grocery store. This is why. Because different types of people 
shop at certain places because they want a specific experience, period. Online is literally absolutely no different. So when I talk about client clarity, I'm not really talking about your avatar. I'm not really saying what's her hair color, who gives a shit really. Um, we're not even talking about that. We're not even talking about that. We are not talking about who has money versus who doesn't have money. Um, where do people live versus where do they not live? How many children do they have versus whatever? Like you might have some specifications for the type of people you work with, right? You might work specifically with moms. You might work specifically with um, people in corporate career. You might work specifically with an entrepreneur. You might specifically work with a woman, a man, whatever. You, you might have some specifications um, and that's fine in your, in your ideal client. However, what I'm talking about is I think it is more important that you get clear as a business owner, who are the people that shop at your store? If you want to take your business and put it on the side of the street inside of a brick and mortar building, who, what is that sign going to say? What's the sign? Who is that sign speaking to? Who are we attracting? What type of people shop at your store? That is far more important than you worrying about who has the money and who will pay this and up, 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 and going down these big like valleys and stuff of like client avatar creation. It's so much more important that you understand the people that value what you do. I know that the people that I work with, they appreciate, they respect, they value very, very, very much what I teach. To them, it is extremely valuable. It is so important to them and it aligns with the things that they think are important as well. Okay, so there's an alignment there. I'm not trying to force people into my bubble, right? I'm not trying to sell Gucci products to a Goodwill shopper. I'm, I just want you to understand, again, and I'm gonna say this again, it is not about good, bad, right, or wrong. So don't get in your head and get triggery. I'm not talking about good, bad, right, or wrong, okay? I come from all of it. I come from welfare, poverty, food stamps. My, my shopping place used to be Goodwill. I get it. I'm not talking about that. It's not about right, wrong, good, or bad. This is about you having clarity. This is about you claiming your spot inside of your niche category. It's about you understanding where are you putting yourself? Are you putting yourself at Target? Are you putting yourself at Goodwill? Are you putting yourself at Walmart? Are you Gucci? Are you Louis Vuitton? Are you Ford? Are you Range Rover? Where are you placing your, your niche category? Where are you on that scale? Because you, you have to, everything needs to align with that, okay? Uh, if you're Goodwill, if you're placing yourself in goodwill category, then you're speaking to newbie, 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 newbies on their journey, and you're pricing accordingly. And you're given the value accordingly, right? So what happens when you go, let's talk about that. What happens when you go to goodwill? It's used products, right? It's used products. Um, the store doesn't really smell that great. It doesn't look that great. All the clothes are used. It's really cheap. When you think about goodwill, you think cheap. You associate cheap with, with what's in that store. You associate the word used, hand-me-downs, uh, cheap, affordable. Okay, this is logic, guys. This is just life. This is logic. These are facts. That's what you think. 
You don't go into Goodwill and expect to have a miraculous experience. You don't expect to be greeted at the door. You don't, you don't expect to spend thousands of dollars. You don't expect to walk in and find like a brand new Gucci bag. You, you're expecting to go in and get some cheap shit. It's affordable. It's cheap. It's used. The value, so so people who shop at Goodwill, they're, they're not shopping for value. Okay, they're not going in saying, oh my God, I value. I value this used purse so much. I value this used t-shirt. Oh my God, I'm gonna put it on a pedestal. I value it so much. No, that's not what's important to them. What's important to people who shop at Goodwill is it's affordable, okay? It's family budget friendly, it's affordable. They're not going for status quo of like name brand, brand new value. They're not value shopping. They are price shopping. They're looking for a deal. They're looking for a bargain, okay? This is logic. Like this is real life shit I'm talking about here. This isn't even my opinion. This is life. These are facts. Um, who shops at, like, let's look at the total other end of the spectrum. Who shops at uh, Gucci or Louis Vuitton? Let's just use Gucci because Gucci Goodwill. Um, okay, who shops at Gucci? The people that shop walk into the Gucci store or outlet, these people, we are shopping for value. It's not even about the price. That is not, we are not price shopping. We do not go to Gucci and we're like, woo, let's go find a bargain. Let's go find a deal. Let's go find a steal. I'm bargain shopping. Like that's not even the mentality. We are value shoppers. So what does that mean? It means that when we walk in the store, we expect a good experience. The store is clean. The store has a good smell. It's got a good vibe and energy. It's got beautifully placed products. Uh, everything is brand spanking new and shiny with big, beautiful price tags. We expect to be welcomed into the store and greeted nicely with great energy. Um, we expect to walk around. We expect to probably at least drop $1,000 or more uh, before we walk out of the store. And we value name, brand, recognized products. We value that. We are not price shopping. We are actually looking for value. Why? Because we value how the products make us feel and we value how we feel that we look when other people see us. Not good, bad, right or wrong. It just is what it is, okay? And so that's two totally different types of people. If you think that you can sell a product to one product to both of those people, you are sadly mistaken. Okay. If you want to sell high end programs, then you need to sell the high end experience that people who invest in high end programs are expecting. And you cannot sell something that is a Gucci like experience and then put a goodwill price tag on it and vice versa. You can't sell a shitty product. Okay. A goodwill product and then try to slap a Gucci price tag on Okay, because people are going to, that just does not go together. Okay, so again, when we talk client clarity and placement, you need to gain this clarity. You are a business owner. You have one responsibility. Read the room. Read the room. Your one job is to know who your shoppers are, right? Like if you don't even know who your shopper is, I would say you don't even have a business right now. Your one job as a business owner, your one job, know your shoppers. If you don't even know that, you don't really have a business yet.
So you should know the type of people who shop at your place and you should also know why they shop there. What is important to them? Okay, what is valuable to them? Um, do they appreciate what you do? Do they value it? Do they see it as a necessity? Is it like, why do they value it so much over something else or someone else? Okay, that's your one job. That is your job. That's not your coach's job. That's your job. You're the business owner. You, no one knows your work and no one knows who values your work better than you. So that's your alignment. That's your job. And when we talk client clarity, that's what I'm talking about. Now, once you are clear on your placement in the, like your niche category, once you're clear on your placement and you understand where you're placing yourself and then who shops there, who values that, who shops there, who are your shoppers, then you need to have a strong qualification process in place. And I see this like lacking so, 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 so bad. I literally have multi-million dollar clients who I come in and consult for them. And I come in and I help them fix their sales strategies and their sales teams. And I really kind of almost fix all the breakdowns in the, in the sales biz, uh, process in their business. And I'm, I, I mean, it's crazy, but I would say nine out of 10 of the people that I work with across the board in my coaching and in my consulting, um, nine out of 10 of them do not have a qualification process in place. The, and, and when we talk about it, they think that the qualification process is like um, their sales page. Like it's, it's oh yeah, I say who it's for on my sales page. Um, but they don't have an actual qualification process in place. So I am very big on like, um, I'm the gatekeeper of my company. I get to say who comes in my programs and who does not. I get to say who shops at my store and who doesn't. That's up to me and I get to do that. I get to decide. I get to cherry pick who I work with and who gets access to my genius. No one else gets to do that but me. And I take a huge level of pride in that because I believe strongly that my, my second job, besides knowing who my shoppers are, my second job is to properly place people. I call this proper placement. And what this means is I place people in the right places inside of my programs based on the shopper that they are, based on where you're at in your business, where you're at in your journey. Where do I think, based on me being the expert, where do I think you are going to get the biggest wins inside of my program? That's my job. So for me, what's important to me isn't just that I make money. Obviously, a business needs to make money. That isn't even like, a, that's not even a discussion. There's no business if the business doesn't make money. You don't, you don't have a business if, you're, if you, your business doesn't make money. You do not have a business yet. I don't care if you've been in business 20 years. If your business isn't making money, you don't have a business yet. You don't know. You have not figured out your process yet that is repeatable and improbable. There's no business, right? There isn't a business if there's no shoppers and money. So yes, it is so important, right? Plus the more money you make, the more people you're helping and the more good you can do in the world and the more choices you have. But aside from the money, the, the second thing that is my job 
is to put people where they're going to win, where they're going to be able to receive a great experience, contribute to a great experience. And so part of my qualification process is properly weeding people in and out and then placing people where they're going to have the best results based on who they are as a person, how they operate, um, and where they're at in their business journey. Okay, so I look at many different things. I do not just look at how much money do you make. I look at how much money are you making because that does not, that tells me, it doesn't tell me who you are as a person. That doesn't matter, right? We have assholes who, who are billionaires. We have broke people who are the most amazing people in the world. It's not about who you are as a person with the money you're making. It's that is, is what you're doing working, okay? That's what the money tells me. If you're not making any money, but you're doing lots of things, then it tells me you're probably not doing the right things because you're not making any money. So it doesn't really matter what you're doing. If you're doing things and you're making decent money, then it shows me that the things that you're doing are working. Can we make them work better? Probably, but they're working, okay? So yes, we look at the money, but we also have to look at your mindset, right? We have to look at your mindset and your energy and your spirituality and your belief system and your openness to being coached and your level of responsibility as a human, as a business owner, as a facilitator. Um, we have to look at how you lead in your life as a human being, okay? There's a lot of factors that I look at when I'm qualifying someone in or out for my programs. I don't care. I mean, I don't care how much money you have. If I don't think you're going to win, or I don't like your attitude, or I don't think that mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, financially, you have what it takes, you don't get in my program. And I don't care how much money you have. Um, we turn people away every single day. People will come to us and be like, oh my God, I want to work with you. Oh my God, I want to work in your program. And when we, quali when we put you through our qualification process, you don't meet the marks. You're not checking the boxes. And so what we do is we say, here's what we need you to go do. And if you can do that, come back and show us that you're able to do those things. Then we'll revisit this conversation. And until then, you're just not going to win in this program. So why would I take your money? Makes zero sense. So I think a lot of people are really hung up on, I just want to make money. And I could give two shits about anybody coming into the programs. I don't care if they're successful. I don't care if they should be here. I don't care if this is the right or wrong program for them. And I don't care if they have results or not. I'm in it to make money. If that's your mentality, you're definitely not my kind of people, right? Like I think that's a dick move. I'm, I'm not into that. I want people that are going to come in and they're going to do good with what I teach them. And we're going to create a ripple effect together because I think it takes an army to change the fucking world we live in. And I don't expect that I'm going to change the world by myself. So in order for us to change the world and create ripple effects, we need to recruit an army. So how do you do that? You, you put people in your programs that are going to appreciate, respect your work. And then also they're going to go do good with that work that you just taught them. How many people do you know who have been through your programs that do absolutely squat shit with your stuff? They don't do anything. And how many times have you done that? I know I've done that. I've joined things, signed up for things, and then never even did nothing with them. What good is that doing? We are literally absolutely not creating any impact in the world doing that. We've grown none, we've learned none, and we've done none. So what is the point? I want people that are going to enter my programs and go do big things with it. Go back out into the world and take what you've learned and teach to other people. 
go make an impact and then have your clients make an impact and so on and so forth. That's how you change the world. We call it a movement. Everybody knows what a movement is, right? There's all kinds of movements every year around all kinds of different times of the season, right? So we won't get into that, but there's all kinds of movements. So that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to create movements. Well, you're not doing that by yourself. We all know that to create any kind of movement, we need an army to do so. So my number one goal is not to create money. It is, I'm not here to just take money from people willing to pay me. I'm here to get the right people in the right places so the right experiences and outcomes can happen, okay? And so qualifying your people is, yes, first you need to know who your shoppers are because you need to know the people that value what you offer and they, they respect it and appreciate it and they also are very much committed to doing good with it, okay? Um, because yes, one, then they will invest, but two, they'll also show up and do the work, okay? And you need to create experiences where people are receiving and also they are contributing, okay? It's, it's, it's a two-way street here. So that is the first part with the client clarity and qualification. And that's really your job, okay? As the expert, as a facilitator, as a business owner, that's a million percent your job. That is not the job of your coach or your mentor. You're not gonna get that clarity in some kind of course. This is you sitting down and getting honest with yourself and having some quiet thinking time where you can gain a sense of clarity on what the hell it is you're doing in this world and who are you recruiting to help you accomplish that, okay? So I look at qualification extremely seriously because you can make a lot of money and have a lot of shitty people in your programs. And um, you know you can also create experiences where you bring a lot of people into your programs and then you're just constantly replacing them, right? Because they don't stick around. And so again, I think just client clarity and qualification is one of the most important things. And I, again, across the board, even in some of my multi-million dollar consultant contracts, we see this like, it doesn't exist. It's just whoever wants to buy the program, come buy the program. Like it is absolutely ludicrous, okay? And it's part, it probably 85 to 90% of the problems that are happening inside these programs, it's because of this. It is literally because there's no client clarity and qualification happening on the front end. And so the back end is falling apart. The delivery inside the program is crumbling and it's part because of this. Okay, so the second part that I wanna talk about here um, on this episode is I wanna talk about the curriculum development and organization. When you are clear on who your ideal client is, your shopper, okay? When you're clear on who your shopper is and you've got a good qualification process in place that is just telling you, red flag, green flag, red flag, green flag, red flag, green flag, right? It's just indicators that are telling you this is one of my winning clients versus this is not a winning client. It is not good, bad, right or wrong. It is just fact. When you have that in place, it's a lot easier to develop a curriculum and organize it so that people coming into your program can easily, independently, and very quickly go through your A to B or your one, two, three step process 
that gets them from point A to point B. If your curriculum is sloppy, if your curriculum is all over the place, if it covers a million different things, if it's long and lengthy and sloppy and all over the place, no one's, no one is getting through it. And if nobody can get through your curriculum, then no one is going to get the benefits of your program. No one's going to get results because they're not going to be able to do the work. Okay. And so when I go into companies or even in my coaching programs and even in multi-million dollar companies, when I go in and we look at the curriculum development, we can very quickly, like I can see in minutes, like two minutes, I can see exactly why we have low client retention. We have low show up rate. We have low contribution. Most of the people are not having progress or they don't feel like they're gaining any progress. Most are not even getting results. Many want refunds. Many want out of their contract. They change their mind. They're spiraling. They don't know, like they're super codependent. They're hopping on calls and they're, they're spiraling out of control week after week after week. In two minutes, I can tell you why this is happening. <laughs> uh, in, in two minutes, one, your client clarity and qualification is lacking big time. Second, the curriculum is a hot mess. The curriculum is a hot mess. And we already know that because we have an attention span of an ant, and because we are already in information overload, 85% of people never go through your curriculum. Okay, that's just, there it is. Now, how do we get more people? There's lots of things you could be doing in your program, in the live parts of it, and automated parts of it, to get more people processing your curriculum. There's other, there's so many things you could be doing. But at the end of the day, it starts with you, the expert, the facilitator, and the business owner, the CEO. It starts with you creating the list of the three to five things, the pillars, right? Or steps or processes, your proven process of here's how my client is gonna enter the program and here's the steps they're gonna go through that's gonna get them from point A to point B. I cannot tell you how many people who are calling themselves experts and charging thousands of dollars to work with them have no idea how they get their clients results. That doesn't make sense. I am a very like point blank, A, B, C equals X, Y, Z. One, two, three, right? Equals four, five, six. I'm very like linear, okay? If it doesn't add up and make sense, then it's not. I'm very based on math and very based on science. Numbers don't lie. If ABC does not equal XYZ, that does not make sense, okay? So when you are, if you're claiming to be an expert at something, so much so that you started a business doing it and you're charging people money for it, then you should know what it takes to get somebody from where they are to where you're telling them you're going to get them. Uh, you would know this because you've probably done it and you've probably helped other people do it. Otherwise, you're not really an expert at it, okay? So again, this is an integrity thing also, but you start where you're at and you can grow from there. So when you're thinking about your curriculum, you're thinking about the process it takes 
in the most simplest, easiest, fastest way possible to get from point A to point B. Not the most complicated, twisty, windy, up and down, in and out, side to side type of way. Fastest, shortest, easiest way to get there. That means you have to trim the fat, cut the fluff, stop adding all this extra shit that doesn't matter. Your, your clients coming into your program, if they look at your curriculum and they want to die because they can't believe how crazy and how um, pack, jam-packed it is and all the stuff and their eyes glaze over because they're like, oh my God, I don't even have time. And now I'm coming in here after I've made this investment and this is the sloppiest, lengthiest, longest process I've ever seen in my life. They are already checked out. They've already convinced themselves they can't do this because it's too much, okay? Your job is to develop an organized curriculum that is step by step. And your job is not to overstuff 10 programs into one program, okay? Your job is to set milestones that say, in the first X weeks or the first X months, here's where we want you to be. What are the one to two, max of three things you need to do to get there? And then what is the most easiest, fastest, simplest way that I could tell you to get there? That's how you should be breaking down your curriculum. Not let me stuff everything I've ever learned in my whole life in here. And let me give you 50 bonuses and 7,000 downloads. And I'm just going to give you, you know, 10 programs all in one. Like no one's nobody is gonna have success with that and no one's gonna renew or sign on again to keep doing that. If you want people to actually get results and have a good experience, because here's what I will tell you, the results are null and void, null and void. They don't even matter if the experience sucks. I will tell you that right now, okay? If, if it doesn't matter what results your clients get, if the experience sucks, they're out. They're never buying with you again and they're not telling anybody about you, ever. So it isn't just about your clients getting results. They also need to have an exceptional experience. And a big part of that experience is onboarding. But, and we'll talk about that later. But when it comes to your curriculum, your clients need to be able to go in and get through it so fast and so easily. And they need to be able to understand it independently so that they can implement. Because if they don't understand it and they have 7,000 questions and they're confused and they're overwhelmed and they're like, oh my God, I don't know. And they have to ask a million questions. They're gonna feel overwhelmed. They're gonna feel like they're falling behind and it's too complicated. So you have to break things down. Now, the other part of your curriculum development and organization is being clear on who belongs in that program. Don't put spirally type of people who like to cross all the T's, dot all the I's and overthink and go, you know, down things a million times sideways with, you know, a lawyer and an attorney and seven other I's and other opinions and like a magnifying glass. Don't put people like that in programs where they're going to be doing that because then you have people that can't take any action without you. They can't take any action without saying, we need to have a seven hour deep dive because I'm so confused about this one word. Like you have, again, you need to be clear on who are the people who can independently come in and, and implement your curriculum without needing so much from you, okay? 
a lot of times when I look in the programs, I'm like, look, the type of people that you have let in this program should not be here. They are not sophisticated enough on their journey to be able to comprehend and implement independently this curriculum. It's too advanced for the type of people you are bringing into it. This is like, I can't believe how much I see this. It's wild. If you want people that can come in and take your, go through your curriculum independently, all by themselves, they can go through it, understand it, they get it, and then they go implement it, and they might have like a question, maybe two, but they're off to the races. Well, you better be bringing in some very experienced, very talented, and wildly sophisticated people into your program, if that's the experience you want to have. <laughs> because otherwise, that isn't going to be the case. If you have a program that is, um, if your curriculum is advanced and you're bringing newbies into it, I can promise you they're not going to independently hop in there, grab the information, understand it, compartmentalize it, and go implement it without you. I can guarantee that's not the case. If you're bringing someone super new on their journey into an advanced curriculum that is slightly advanced, slightly complicated, a little bit lengthy, not going to happen. So again, you can now see why the client clarity and qualification is so wildly important to the curriculum development organization because no one's getting results and no one's having an exceptional experience if they can't get through your curriculum and go implement to get results. If they're just spiraling and feeling stuck and confused and overwhelmed and they can't move without you, it's, it's just not a good experience. And it probably means that either you're Com uh, your curriculum is disorganized and it's also um, all over the place and it's too much and too complicated and or you're bringing the wrong types of people into the space. Okay. Um, so again, you know, I think it's about, I mean, you can put a baby in the wrestling ring or you can put, you know, uh, someone who has been wrestling and, and winning, you know, winning uh, championships for 20 years. Who do you think is going to be the most sophisticated person to get in the boxing ring? Probably the person that's been doing it for 20 years and, and, and winning championships. Probably not the baby that just came out of the mother's womb. It just makes the most sense, right? Um, again, <laughs> this is all very practical, logical stuff. It's not, this isn't like science here. This is just pure facts, right? You think about life, it's the same thing. So with your curriculum development, it's fewer steps, shorter, shorter trainings, and less information. You need to give people a way to be like, boom, here's the thing, here's why, and then here's your two steps, one step, go do it. And it just needs to be, your curriculum should really be designed for like a five-year-old. And I mean that like with so much love, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter if you are working with adults or not. Um, you're still, you still need to break it. Adults still need a step-by-step. -step. They still need simplification. Um, so I don't want you guys to be like, oh, they're adults. They can get in there and do it themselves. Yes, they can if you structure it and organize it properly and properly place people. So hopefully by now, you're starting to really think about your curriculum, the type of people you're bringing into your programs, what your qualification process looks like. Look, it's very black and white. If the people coming into your program 
are not achieving. Like 90% of the people in your program are not having an exceptional experience ranting, raving. They're referring people. They're getting repeatable results. They're having steady progress. They're winning. They're loving it. They're digging into your curriculum. They're implementing. They're constantly sharing wins. Like if 90% of the people in your programs are not having that experience, chances are you don't have a good qualification process. You're bringing the wrong people into the wrong places and your curriculum development and the organization of it is sloppy. 1 million percent across the board, I can tell you that is probably the case. And most people, including multimillionaires, do not have these things in place. It's very, very sloppy. The lines are very blurred. It really, everybody really is like, oh, just buy my program. The whole world can buy my program. Um, now, I don't care what you do for self-studies or whatever, but like, if you're, if you, if you're delivering high-end programs, which is what we're talking about here, this, this is not negotiable. You need, like people expect it. I would expect a high-end experience in a high-quality product if I'm going to go shop at Gucci and drop thousands of dollars. I don't give a shit. Like, 100%. I'm absolutely expecting that when I walk through those doors. And if I'm going to go shop at Goodwill, well, I don't expect much of anything, okay? So I expect cheap. That's what I expect. Give me a deal. Give me a bargain. Give me cheap. Give me used. You don't even need to talk to me. Like, just give me the shit, right? Literally, shit. Okay. Again, different shoppers. Okay, um, so hopefully this was helpful. Now, now on tomorrow's episode, I'm going to talk more about brand behavior. I'm going to talk about boundaries in your programs, standard, setting standards and legalities in your programs, and how do we really do what I call brand behavior? How do we create brand? How do we brand the type of behavior that we want from our clients in our adult clients in our programs? Um, and brand behavior is something that I have created. It's something I've been teaching for years. Um, we just finally are working on trademarking a really cool name for it. Brand behavior is what it really is. And we're going to talk about that tomorrow because on the episode because that is extremely important to so many of the factors on the delivery side of your program. So be you know ready for that. Hopefully you got a lot of value from this. Uh, hopefully you're going to do something with this and actually go look at your curriculum, go look at your qualification process, the type of people you're bringing in, and then um, come back tomorrow for the second part where we're going to talk about the brand behavior in your program. All right, guys, I uh, hope this was helpful. I'll see y'all soon. Thanks for listening to the Confident Closer podcast. If you loved this episode, we release episodes each and every week. So make sure to hit subscribe and leave us a five-star review. If you're a female coach, service provider, or consultant looking to elevate your sales and leverage your time more efficiently, we are currently accepting applications into our Profitable Entrepreneur Mastermind. In the Profitable Entrepreneur Mastermind, we're putting you in the room with other high-achieving coaches who are scaling their income and impact and leveraging their CEO time so they can have a business and life they love without the hustle and sacrifice we all know as normal. We focus on scaling, sustainable, and highly profitable group programs, your conversion and launch strategy, a repeatable sales pipeline, and scaling with profit-driving sellers so you can get your time back. If simplifying your scale, putting more profit in your pocket, and getting your time back 
While creating a bigger impact in the world is on your radar this year, send me a DM on Facebook or Instagram and let's see if the profitable entrepreneur could be your next best investment. And I hope to see you on the inside. Thank you.